let me introduce you, your host on Let's Talk Podcast, the one, the only, Philip! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Podcast. This is episode number 75, and today we're going to talk about quarantine life, um, COVID-19 virus, and how much it impacts in the state of New Mexico and everywhere else, and much, much more. And today I have a guest who's from Missy Valley News, Ernesto. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Philip. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you pretty good. All righty, good. Me? I can hear you just fine. I'm glad to That's be joining you here. Thank you, Philip. Uh, no problem, no problem. Now, how is the quarantine life treating you? <laughs> well, it is the most unusual thing I think I've ever been to in my life. And, uh, you know, in the years of covering uh, broadcasting, I just kept thinking to myself, how is this life uh, different from other things that we covered? I mean, I remember very well 9-11 and how we were uh, working at a radio station at that time and how we dropped everything to cover wall-to-wall coverage at the time when that happened. Um, that lasted only about a few weeks uh, from the time that things were suddenly getting back to normal, but it would be a day that changed America. Now you come into this uh, situation and it's a whole different thing. I don't think that this has ever been done before. And I think as journalists and people that are helping out in the Sea Valley News, like we're covering it on a radio broadcast and uh, it is something, you know, wonder how long are we going to go in this? How long are things going to be? And even with reopenings, it still feels like it's not the same. And I think a lot of norm, normal, a lot of things that people like to do normally in their lives aren't happening. And, you know, it's just something you have to adjust to. And that's what we're doing. But our job is to try to inform people, tell people what's going on and keep them, uh, keep them aware and informed, because that's the best thing we can do right now in a time where we still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. First off, I don't know what the word normal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is either. So, but. If everything's going on nowadays, it's it's crazy and weird. I remember when it first started this whole fire, this whole when we started this quarantine in the first place, and they people were like panicking because this is new to everyone, uh, mm-hmm. and this pandemic and it's it's scary. Um, were were you a little bit scared when you first heard about this COVID nineteen? Well, I mean, uh, I can remember back to March 13th. We're covering a boys basketball tournament and we've known about the COVID part, but we don't know is the effects that it's going to have. And then suddenly sports out of all places starts to show us just how real this is going to get. That Wednesday night before I'd been to my son's uh, JV track meet. And then I keep hearing reports about that they're going to cancel basketball tournaments, that they're going to cancel the NCAA tournament. They're going to cancel these games. Oh, the Olympics are down question. And I was like suddenly starting to realize the effect of what was coming down soon and what was happening. And then I hear the president talking about, you know, we're going to close down uh, travel to Europe and travel to all these places. Suddenly then you started to realize things were starting to get real. And then it became more real for our offices and our staff when we had to figure out, guess what? We need to quickly get everyone set up to be working from home. We're not going to be in the studios. And now that's when I think when it started to affect people that way and businesses were starting to close, thinking it might be temporary or we were starting to think it was going to be that way. You know, suddenly I'm in overdrive mode trying to get all my staff taken care of so we can all work from home and be at home. And that's what ended up happening. And then I started to realize this is getting more real than I could have imagined. And when then the next day, 
the basketball tournaments canceled. We don't know if we're going to have a state basketball tournament that we're covering on our station. It's just like, wow, you, you, you could not have imagined what this was going to be. And I kept telling myself, how long can this go? How long are we going to be working from home? How long are we going to be doing things? And how long can a restaurant go without being open? How long can a lot of these businesses in our town survive? And, you know, we're still trying to answer those questions now. And it was really, I think that was the scary part because I had a son who was in high school. And then that's also the other part that became real. Suddenly now we're going to shut down the schools. What? The schools aren't going to happen? What? We're going to have to go to a distant learning format? And when I uh, was covering the uh, PED Zoom meeting that they had, they wasted no time to say that they they are canceling the semester. And the first thing I put up on Facebook was school is done for the year. Hopefully we'll be back in the fall. And it was just crazy to see the response that came out of that. People were just like, what the fall? Are you kidding? What are we, you know, I thought this was only going to be a few weeks. I don't think anybody could have expected how long this was going to go. Yeah. I, I didn't expect it. No one expected. I mean, I remember they hold off the school or oh, two weeks or three weeks. My, my nephew goes to school. He's, He's in the elementary school. He's only like four year old, and I always, you know, think of him, you know, at the time. And my sister, who's going to college, that's probably maybe like a two week break, like a kind of like a mini uh, mm-hmm. spring break. And then, oh, school canceled for the rest of the semester. I'm like, really? Wow, it, things getting pretty serious. I mean, first thing you heard about the NBA cancel or not canceled, but suspended, suspended, mm-hmm. and these went. Haywire, and then people could uh, go get a bunch of stuff, bunch of meat. And you know, we, if you go to Walmart or any other store, everything's empty. I mean, don't get me started with the toilet paper. Come on now. <laughs> well, I can. T- you know what's funny about that is a couple weeks before that, they the uh, folks in China were dealing with this, and they were showing a report on CBS News about toilet paper in Hong Kong. And I kept looking at that, going like, toilet paper? How did toilet paper become such a commodity over there? And it was crazy. My parents had just come in that week before, and when I knew that all the stuff was coming down, I told my mom, I said, Mom, do me a favor. Just buy some extra food, and if you can, get some toilet paper. Surprisingly, I have a feeling this is going to go crazy, and that was just by watching a CBS News report and how they were reacting in China and how they were shutting things down. Suddenly, you're like, this could happen here, and sure enough, it did, and yeah, we could all argue as much as we want about toilet paper, meats, and everything such, but that was just, it was insane how that would became such a thing. Now the good news is I guess everyone's got enough storage for toilet paper and it's going to last them. The good news we have it back there, but you could not have imagined that nobody could have written that scripted that uh, Hollywood could not even predicted that. Yeah, definitely. And I know there's, it seemed to be improving a little bit in terms of stocking the items in the store. There's some things that are hard to find, like those disinfected products. Are you having a hard time finding? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even here in in Las Cruces, New Mexico, we have a tough time finding any uh, products that are there. I mean, meats are very low. You can even go to Walmart, and I try to go in the early morning hours sometimes and just to go see what it's like. But, I mean, to find out that Clorox wipes are a hot commodity, and I don't know when the next time we're going to see a Lysol disinfectant on the shelves. I keep getting reports it won't be until late August or early September that we might wow. see those back in the shelves. So. You know, and but then again, it's also like, well, be careful because you got to then you start to read up on so many things saying if you use too many disinfectants in your house every day, you can start poisoning yourself. And, you know, you kind of you started to I think people now that they've had the time to be at home, they've done their research, they're doing readings. And I think there's a lot of people that are confused as to what can I buy? What can I not buy? How much should I use? How much should I not use? It, it gets crazy. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, and, you know, just I think. Last week, 
either last week or two weeks ago, my mom just went to, I forgot where, I think in Lowe's, and she finally found that it was hand sanitizer, like, um, like some of those uh, sprays and the wipes. She, she finally found those, but they're, they're another one that's hard to find nowadays, too. And and I, I think they're getting more, a little bit more expensive. The company's being taken advantage to raise up the price. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, what's not going to be raised? I mean, here we are looking at a recession that we're in right now, and a lot of uh, meats have gone up in price. You know, your price for hamburger meat has gone up. You go to any restaurant, I mean, McDonald's is on a limited menu, and you're paying more money for just to get a Big Mac and fries. And you're kind of going like, this past week, our radio stations uh, we're on all four of our radio stations. We were giving away sanitizer. And I kind of thought to myself, who's going to want to win the sanitizer? And well, we had no problem giving away sanitizer and just the text to win contest. Uh, but what's interesting is, is I also think that this has set up an interesting thing about, let's just say, for example, sanitizer. We have a place called Botanical Infusions that's given away sanitizer on our radio stations. And suddenly the CBD company is now joined in the game of this now suddenly they can go out and make their own sanitizer make it at a certain percentage ratio now you got breweries that are figuring out how to do it and suddenly yes those sanitizing companies might think they were going to have a, a stronghold and a monopoly but it also goes to show wow this is showing what happens when small businesses and other companies start working hard together that they can make their own parts and suddenly now they have sanitizer if you want sanitizer you're better off going to a botanical fusions on south salon or in the mall than you are trying to go to Bath and Body Works and try to find some. And I kind of find that a little interesting. And like I said, even breweries learned how to do that during this time. So I, while they might try to jack up the price, I think they got to be careful because alternatives, people will find them and people are good at shopping. And trust me, we have shows about coupon wars and we have shows about how people save things. People are going to find the bargains and these local companies and a lot of local businesses, which I'm very happy to see, might have a renaissance in some of these things and products that are going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Now, this whole COVID-19 virus, we just learn about this. It's new to everyone. And we, and then the most, I guess you can call it conspiracy topic, the mask. People, which is here, it's mandatory to wear a mask. But there's a lot of people don't wear masks. Some of them maybe due to the health issues. Some of them, no, my, it's my body. I'm not wearing a mask. Whatever. What, what are your thoughts on it? Well, right now, the state of New Mexico and the city are both on the same part where they are requiring masks to be worn in public uh, in public buildings and also in businesses. And it's up to the business now to determine that. Um, if you, let's say, it just depends where you go. There's some businesses that don't have a problem like restaurants and understand that you're gonna eat, so you're gonna have to take off that mask. And then if you go to a place like a hairstylist, they might tell you to wear the mask all the time. Uh, it just depends on where you're going. Now, there is no uh, fine right now. There is no jail time coming in because I think it would be very hard to enforce. But I mean, there's some people with some medical conditions who have no choice but to go shop and maybe they cannot wear a mask. Walmart has its own rules. I think it's just just kind of like everywhere else you go. It just depends on who's enforcing and who is not. Uh, the controversy is, yes, does it help? I believe it does. I read a report where there was a stylist who had uh, people coming in to her place, but because of her diligence to see them make people wear masks, even though some people had COVID, they came in and nobody got infected. So I think if you follow, I think if you're smart and you follow the social distancing rules and you keep up, you might be able to cur to stop it from happening. But 
at the same time, it's very hard to tell somebody to keep it on, especially older people who, you know, may not be able, you know, uh, the thing is you don't drive with an N95 mask on, you know, you just don't, you could end up hurting yourself. So, I mean, in your vehicles, I don't think you should have to wear it in your homes. You shouldn't have to, but in businesses and be respectful, if the business asks you to wear it, that's their business. That's their place where they're in charge and that they feel comfortable in telling people that I have seen no problem with that whatsoever. Those are the rules. That's what you have to follow. But if you go and explain your situation, then I guess there could be some uh, different circumstances that can be allowed for certain people, depending on their medical condition. Yeah. I remember I went somewhere. And I believe you follow that. They were trying to make it like a law. I don't want to say a law, but uh, whatever the word I'm looking for, they want people to wear masks. If you don't wear it, you get fined, like what, $500 or jailed for 30 days or something like that. But they, the city council say no. And they're, you know, they don't want that rule. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, uh, when you hear the city, I've seen a lot of the Zoom meetings that the city council has had. I think they're frustrated, some of the younger council members, uh, of how the process works. I mean, it's hard to put an ordinance like that, and it's hard to get things done. But I was listening mostly to the police chief, Patrick Gallagher, uh, the Las Cruces police chief. And he brought up a good example saying, you know, we issue 7,000 tickets every year to people who are speeding. Has that stopped speeding? No, it's not going to stop speeding. So if we start to now ask our law enforcement to enforce mask issues, it's not going to stop people from wearing it because then there's going to be a lot of lawsuits coming in. The city would have to be ready for those. And I mean, their lawyer said it best that this could bring up some presidents and rules because it's different from the state and municipalities. I think a lot of those uh, younger uh, council people really wanted this rule to go through and put it in saying, look, we tell them to do it. They should to do it. And I understand what they're trying to say, but the enforcement and the legal part of it would have been a very tough thing for the city to do, considering that the state has one rule and the city would have another. It would just show that it wasn't the same. So I think that the city councilors eventually were smart to say, look, just follow the rules that the state has and that's where it's at. Sure, it might have wasted time, but it did bring up a conversation that needed to be brought up. And when you hear every one of those council members, they have been taking a lot of emails and they've been getting a lot of social media comments thrown at them about what to do and what not to do. And I'm, I'm thinking you're hearing it from all the ways. There's no way to win in that situation uh, and get that done. So I think where they're standing right now is fine. But depending on what comes down the road, I mean, what if they do have to start enforcing that? We'll have to wait and see. But right now, I think they're done with the conversation as it is. They're going to follow where the state is at. But I think the state figured that out pretty quick saying, look, we can't force people to do it. We're not going to have our state police officers pulling people over because they didn't have a mask. What if they're driving and it's an, the only mask they have is an N95? They could really hurt somebody or be in some damage. You know, it could it could be a lot of ways. Well, the state forced me to wear a mask and I fainted. Now I'm going to sue the state for making me wear it. I mean, there would be a lot of legality questions into that. And I think that's the hardest thing for those city council members and state people to do is how do you enforce something like this? But if you ask people uh, to please follow it and businesses start to enforce it, then I think it becomes something that we just are used to doing. Yeah, yeah. I was telling my friend this. That or I was telling some people this that I I have no problem wearing masks if I have to go to a public place you know like I'll put gas in the car or Walmart or whatever but when I, if I drive the car and I'm required to wear glasses I wear my prescription glasses I will not wear a mask when I drive especially because it will smog my glasses I won't be able to see to drive and <laughs> I don't you know if they make a law like hey, you gotta wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, you gotta get pulled over. Uh uh, no, because it will smog my glasses. It will, you gotta get, get me crashed. 
And there's, and then, like you mentioned, there'll, there'll be like what lawsuit going on or whatever. Well, yeah. Who now. would you sue if you crashed into your car and you're driving and you're forced to wear a mask and suddenly because of wearing the mask you can't breathe? I mean, that that's the hardest thing. We if it, every person has a different health situation. The reality is there's no legalities. There's no state rules written for this yet. It's all brand new to the state. It's all brand new to the government. It's all brand new to even our city councils. So while yes, prevention and uh, the spread having wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of this part, you know, where can you and can you not? And in your homes, I don't think you should be able to have to wear your mask. But if you have guests coming over and you're following social distancing rules, I believe you're going to have to have masks. If you have somebody coming to do work in your house, whether let's say fixing a, a shower head or doing paint job inside, you can require them to wear a mask. And if people come cleaning in your parts, that's going to mask. But I think those are the businesses like the, a lot of the construction businesses and handyman businesses and cleaning businesses that are starting to learn those rules really quick. At the same time, you know, you hope that they come in, they're going to so many businesses and places to clean. You got to hope that they're following rules. And if you ask them in your house to politely put it on, they have to. But at some point, if they have to work, then lace let you know. So therefore you can disinfect later or do something. I think it's just up to that person individual to be common sense smart as to what you need done and making sure that the people you invite into your homes to do work are following the rules. If they don't follow the rules, uh, there's always somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're in phase two for reopening business. Um, and we just started phase two, like, I believe a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there are other states that have reopened some business or whatever. And now there are some people who, like, agree about reopening. Some people would like, let's just reopen all at once. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, in New Mexico, I don't think we've made it to phase two yet. We're still in phase one. There has been a lot of regulations that have been differently. And I still think there's a lot of confusion as to what the numbers are and how to report somebody. I think I think right now you have to send an email to the state for them to look at something. If you're reporting a business that uh, is over capacity, you got something like that. So I don't think they have it down yet. Uh, but our rules are much stricter than they are in our neighboring states, especially in Texas, especially in Arizona and California. Um and those numbers have seen high numbers. And now you got to be looking at like a place like Houston, Texas, where they're having a lot of uh, hospitals that are overcrowded. Same in Arizona that are getting uh, crowded as well. Once you go over a limit and you don't have a place for these people to be at and suddenly you're opening up arenas like basketball arenas to put people in, suddenly you start to realize that, that those regulations might have been loosened up a little bit too much. I don't know. I'm not an expert or a doctor, but at the same time, I think here in New Mexico, the fact that we can open up our businesses and, and and I know a lot of people want more opening up, but, you know, we've also been a little strict. We've been paying attention to data and, you know, whether you like looking at the data or not, we have to focus on it. And I think more testing gives us more answers. And I am somebody who believes that we should have more testing done in the state. And if that can help us get a more determination when to open. That's great. But like I said, in neighboring states where the populations are way bigger, you kind of expect that those numbers are going to be bigger. So there's that other argument. You know, Arizona's five times the population of New Mexico. Are you surprised where the numbers are? No, not really. I would expect it to be in a place five times. Texas, 10 times. Not a surprise. We're right down the street from El Paso. And El Paso is about the size of Albuquerque and a little bit bigger because I think you could add Rio Rancho to that. And you also got Juarez in that area. So you have data that shows it, but yet in our county, the most numbers are in places like Sunland Park, Santa Teresa, bordering El Paso. And because those restrictions were loosened, I think people ended up going over there more to El Paso than they did here where our restrictions were tighter. So yeah, it's hard to tell. 
as to, you know, who's got the right science numbers. I will trust the doctors on this. I'm not a doctor, so I will listen more to what Dr. Scrace has to say and and follow through. But I think our state right now, is, there's people that I hear that are, are, are impressed with the way our state has done it. And I hear that there's people in Texas and in Arizona that want to move here because we are a little more stricter on that. So that's where it's at. Yeah, I I know there's some people who are complaining about our our restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, that want the business be opened. I mean, who does it? Who who wants everyone? Everyone wants to get things get back to normal, but it's not easy as it. No, is. it's very tough. Um, I mean, you're you're looking at a balance of you know how many businesses have closed during the COVID nineteen part, huh? and I still don't have a number on that. I know our Greater Chamber of Commerce is following it, and our Greater Chamber. And at the same time, I think our businesses are smart enough to know their capacities, know what their limits are. Prior to this, I saw some restaurants already transfer, prior to the state state closing down restaurants and they couldn't open up. I saw some restaurants that started to go to smaller menus. Then I started to realize, oh, now you have to ask for packets on this. Oh, the silverware is plastic. Okay, not a problem. Oh, the glass is plastic. Oh, now I'm starting to realize, I think businesses in our town were ready to go. And I think, you know, a lot of them could not afford to take a leave. So I don't think we can go back now because uh, if we did, if we had to close down again, I think that would hurt our businesses. I think we have to trust them that a lot of them know what they're doing and that they're following rules. And a lot of these places order a lot of sanitizer equipment. And I mean, they're under constant health regulations all the time. I mean, uh, their, const- their kitchens are being looked at, their safety is being looked at. And I mean, we have a really good state uh, process for inspections on our restaurants. So I would trust that a lot of these places are clean. It's now the question of, do you trust the people that are going in there to follow the rules and to do those things? And that's where I think some people are still a little hesitant to go to some restaurants. Yeah. Um, I haven't gone, well, actually I went to get food or my mom go get food, but we go like curbside order or go drive through window. We haven't eaten in the restaurant. I know you can eat in a restaurant now. They're up to what, I believe 50%? 50% capacity inside and outside. Okay, inside. Yeah, that was just fifty percent total, both inside and outside, from what I believe the law says. Yeah, yeah, and and I believe they just reopened a patio. People can't eat outdoors, just not that longer. Well, it's the breweries that could open up now. I think the breweries were the last thing that the governor had opened up at fifty percent capacity, which will start on Monday. Was a soft opening for Friday, Uh, but that would mean some of these breweries, which are serving restaurants and food, they've been open up. I think a lot of businesses have already figured it out how to move their uh, restaurants around. They've eliminated more tables. So you see a lot more space in a lot of these places and that's so they can help uh, put the 50% rule in. I'm very impressed on how a lot of these Las Cruces restaurants and Southern New Mexico restaurants responded to that. And you go to any of them and it's a lot different place than where you were at the beginning of the year when you sat down and ate in any of these restaurants, because they've already figured out where to put their tables, how to have many people. And the hardest thing I know that we're going to have to get used to is standing in line and waiting. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. But at the same time, I think these restaurants have capitalized also on their uh, own delivery services and curbside services, and people are trusting them. And when the Walmart closes at eight o'clock at night, suddenly restaurants are open later at night. So I think people are going to find that restaurants have somewhat of advantage uh, against some of these things. So we'll see how it works. But uh, I think th- there'll be the, the capacity numbers and everything is going to change. And the more that the governor reopens uh, or decides to reopen things, it will make a difference as well. But we're certainly nowhere near the reopening status that they are in Texas or in Arizona and other states. Yeah, And they're, they're in pretty, I would, I would say their numbers are pretty more high, as you mentioned, like Arizona, Texas, I believe California too. Yes. And 
and uh, in some other states too, and they were seeming pretty. They, I, I've, I've read somewhere or heard somewhere they're thinking about closing again. What are your thoughts on the other state that they think, think about those? Well, I mean, again? every area is different. I mean, it just depends. I mean, if if our rules have been following well and we've been following our parts and our numbers aren't showing high parts, that's one thing. But as we have seen done, the governor had to make a decision in uh, in counties such as San Juan and McKinley County to keep those phases from opening different from the state. So what's to stop uh, Governor Abbott from doing the same? What's to stop a Governor Ducey from doing the same or a Gaver- uh, Governor Newsom from doing that? I think you're going to see certain areas that will stay closed and the certain areas that will stay open, just depending on which each state says, well, this is a hot spot. We might need to tighten up restrictions. I think they will tighten up more than just close completely. I don't think they can do another close completely. I, I don't. I, I don't know if we can go back on that. Uh, because that would affect state economies and that would affect a lot of things. But, you know, you got to also be careful. I mean, when you're traveling now, you're going to be, I think a lot of people are smart enough to go, I'm going to an area where what's the number of COVID-19 cases? What are they, what's it like? Maybe I don't go there. Maybe we do something different or wait another year. I mean, there's going to be those type of discussions. I think hotspots will have different rules. And I think that's what's going to end up it's feeling like it's a closure again, but it might be just a very tightening of restrictions is what I would might guess. Yeah, and we heard about potential second wave coming up uh, soon, maybe in the, they say maybe fall or winter. If there is a second wave coming, do you see maybe another closing or something more? Maybe, well, all these government senators or whatever, maybe oh, prepare a little bit better than it was the first time around. What well, let's take, let's take the schools for an example here. The schools right now are planning to reopen about August 12th. That's a little earlier than what we're used to seeing them open, but sometimes not that far. The, they're probably designing that way, knowing that come wintertime, come November and December, when they expect another flu wave and where it becomes flu season again, and we're not certain where we'll be out with the cure or treatments or anything such, uh, even like Notre Dame is going to be starting its school semester in the August, in, in August, so they can get done early. They're all trying to schedule things so that it gets done ahead of time before we get to a November. I mean, schools could be done by Thanksgiving for a fall semester if they work at it and they get things done. Uh, it could be that way because everyone's expecting that. I think a lot of businesses now will do the same thing too. They might set up winter hours. They might set up other different type of hours. I think it just depends on the location where you're at. And of course our flu season will probably get here later because we obviously have a warmer winter than we had than most other places. Our winter doesn't really get here till December. So we could probably go through November, but there might be places up in the Midwest where I wouldn't be surprised that they end schools early and they uh, end uh, uh, schools get done, done at different times or they take re- recess leave and get back later. So just depending on what their uh, health secretaries are going to say, I think there'll be a lot of places that are different. And it might be more summer schools and it will be fall next year to make up some of that time. So I, I know that this is sound great to a kid or a parent, but you, you just never know. I think our schools are having to look at the data, look at the research and saying, look, when do we have the most kids out with flu? You know, if they go back and take a data listing of all those kids that had the time off and they had the most sick kids, what months are they are? So I think there will be adjustments that way. Okay. Yeah. Good thing I'm not kidding. No, I mean, (laughs) no, and it's hard because I think a lot of parents were not used to distant learning. I think uh, there was a report done uh, 
by the state and also KBIA reported it, that they were talking about the kids and how they learned or did they not learn. I had heard some stories about some kids who didn't even bother to log on once to do their distancing class. Is that because the family didn't have internet or is that because nobody paid attention or nobody reached out? I don't know. Um, I would think there's a lot of parents that do not want to go through this again like this. So if the school has certain hours and certain things to follow through, I think they will do that. But it's also very rough for kids. I mean, this is a senior class that I feel really bad for. I mean, they did not get their proms. They did not get their senior uh, goodbyes or their dances or anything such as that. And they didn't even get a chance to walk down an aisle. Now, I also accredit the Las Cruces Public Schools for doing a drive-through graduation at the Field of Dreams. It was just so great to see that. And probably, you know, we've had so many stories that you can say, well, oh my goodness, we're another story like this, another negative. Covering that story of those kids who were in their cars with their parents, their mom and dad are there when they're receiving their graduation packet. It's not a diploma, it's just a packet. But the fact that they could get dressed up and be there and they were all there, it, that just made it well worth it. And I thought it was something that, you know, the public schools did a really good job on. It's obviously set an example for other schools to do across the state. So the fact that we did it, I've got to give credit to the Las Cruces Public Schools for that. But I think, you know, that, if that hopefully that's not what we have to do next year. Hopefully they will have graduation ceremonies. Uh, but you know, I also think the fact that people could watch it online from other parts, you didn't have to bring the whole family by. I thought that also was great, too. So at least those seniors leave with that. But this was not a great year for a senior. And, you know, there's a lot of players who are playing basketball and other sports and baseball. You know, that affects them. You know, there's a lot of people who wanted to play and have their chances to get scholarships. You know, there's a lot of people who may not get scholarships now because they didn't get a senior year to play. And that's hard. You know, now they got to go into college and also imagine being a college senior. You just graduated, but you didn't really get the graduation ceremony. It's hard to do interviews. And I bet you've learned how to do Zoom interviews. And is that really the same as doing an interview for that what you were prepared for in college? I don't know. So it's kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Pers your personal preference. Do you, pers do you prefer online learning or have your kids go to school in person? <laughs> well, there's good and bad to each of it. Uh, the good news is now, I think with the online learning, I think this will be something that teachers can add in their curriculum. Oh, you're homesick. Not a problem. Log on to the computer, finish this out, and you can finish it from home in your bed. Okay. After you've recovered. I think that's going to be something that we could see a lot of being done. So as a parent, I'm okay with that. Um, I prefer that the student is in class. I think that, you know, mm -hmm. The fact that they can communicate with other students, work in project groups that way, it's a lot easier than uh, than uh, online. But this is the future of how things are going to be. So I think our students need to learn that as well. So I'm a parent who prefers to have my son go to school or my daughter go to school um, because as a parent, it's hard to keep track of it and do a job at the same time. And here we are trying to get back to work and going back into our offices and to try to sit there and take care of our kids at the same time. It's just not not easy. And so I'd be one of those who would prefer that the kids go there because I could see that if we had to stay in the fall semester and people had to stay at home, there'd be a lot of people out of a job because they have to try to take care of the kids and you're not getting paid to take care of your kids. So that's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. I know my sister have two kids and they're, well, one of them hasn't gone to school yet. She's just a little baby, two-year-old and other is four-year-old. I, I imagine, especially high school students, you know, it's hard for them, especially their last year. It's one of those once in a lifetime 
once in a lifetime. And that's a, well, that's and, a of, and of course, that's I haven't looked to see what SAT scores are like or SAT scores are like. You know, how did they do on the tests this year? Were the numbers down? Were they up? We don't know yet. And eventually we're going to find out. Mm -hmm. And if distant learning took away some of those classes that they could have helped with or AP studies that they could have needed, you know, that starts to affect the student and what they can accomplish in the future. But at the same time, universities are now also kind of on the line a little bit here because now what's the difference between your online learning and Grand Canyon University or Southern New Hampshire University school online? What is the difference on that? You know, what's the difference between a University of Phoenix online degree and a degree online from the University of New Mexico or UTEP or New Mexico State? Those are going to be some questions. And I think that puts the university out of a bit of a, you know, the university experience. There's people who sued their public universities because we paid for an experience. We paid to come here and be taught in classes. We didn't pay to go online. If we wanted that, we would have gone to one of those online schools. So, and that's why I think New Mexico State really wanted to be back in the fall and get everything going. They didn't want to try to be on this online system. I mean, it is an experience. It is something you get and you're, and, and there's something to be said about being in a person experience than an online experience, but the future is going to be a lot online and, a lot of classes are done online now. So what's to be done? You know, what's, what's to say different? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hear you. I hear you, man. Now we have no vaccine as of right now. They're working on it regarding this virus. Do you believe things will be back to normal? Um, I hope so, but it will not be the same normal that we're used to. I think when this is all said and done, things will be different. I mean, the schools will be different. Calendars might be different. Uh, games, the way we play games might be different. The way players are tested before games is going to be a lot different. You're going to see a, a, a whole new wave of sports that is going to be very different. How far you, uh, people travel, how far people go. I think it's going to be very interesting for the first year or so. I think even in 2021, we'll barely get back into, you know, the biggest thing I get uh, questions are, what is, what's concerts going to be like? Well, I don't know what a concert's going to be like right now on our country station. We're happy to know that Garth Brooks is going to be doing a concert, but it's a drive-in concert. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever be in gatherings again where you're waiting in line outside or you're waiting in a concession stand. I, I, it, it's going to be something completely different, and we just don't know yet. Without a cure, things are going to be different. And depending on when, even if we get a cure, things might still be different. Prices will be different in concerts. Things are going to be a lot different. Um, but I still think we'll have sports. I still think we'll have dances. I still think eventually bars will be opening up. It's just going to take some time. Uh, but one thing I was telling my uh, staff was like, you know, even concerts, like going backstage to meet some of your favorite artists is not going to be the same anymore. It won't never be the same probably for a while and even longer, you know, that one-on-one -on -one personal experience, those fan clubs may not be doing it. And I tell you what, there's a lot of musicians and artists that do not like being at home right now. They'd rather be out doing concerts. They'd rather be out doing because that's their moneymaker. That's their life. You know, that's what they, that's what these record labels pay them for that to go out there and do that. And if you're not performing and out there and getting these shows, it's hard. So it's going to be a different, you know, but there is some positive things. I mean, drive-in theaters have come back. Thank goodness. Uh, you know, you can come see that. Will that change how we watch movies? Yes. Um, delivery systems. And uh, I mean, we're going to be watching the battle of the streaming services, Hulu versus Disney plus versus Netflix. You know, it's going to be the fight for content and HBO max and a Peacock and a CBS all access, get ready and get ready to spend the pay to watch that too. If you want to watch any of those things. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a, a much different part, but it's also going to be how fast can we get people back to work? And that's what I'm kind of curious to see what it's going to be like. Yeah.
Now, we had that drive drive by or drive in or drive through. Uh, can we talk now? Drive by movie theater mm-hmm. right now by Tillshore. You think it may, it may stay for for life? You know, uh, there was places where drive in theaters were still at. I mean, I remember going to a drive in theater in the late '90s, and then they finally went away because it just didn't make sense when you can be inside. Um, I, I think there's a niche for this type of stuff to exist. Uh, and the fact that you can do it so easily and because of social distancing rules, I think they'll be around pretty strong for about a year or so. I'd like to see how it does in five years, if it's still going to be manageable or not. I don't know. But I would say for at least a year or two, they're going to be around to stay. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of concerts and events done at drive-in theaters. You know, it used to be back in the 70s, if you wanted to watch a pay-per-view, like a big boxing fight like Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman, you had to go to a closed-circuit television location. Well, I could see an online streaming closed circuit type format coming along and drive-in theaters being a place. Can you imagine that's where we're going to watch a Super Bowl game You could, you know, or a big boxing fight or UFC? I wouldn't be surprised it's going to be that. But because there's more streaming services now, I think streaming is going to be king. But drive-ins will have a nostalgia place, and I think people will be okay to do it. Plus, to get out of the house and stay in your own safety of your own car, just turn on your FM radio, have it on, you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't gone to drive drive in uh, movie in my lifetime yet. Not yet. Maybe I will someday. Uh, since we have it or Intel Shore, it's not far where I live. So we'll see. Because, um, you know, we've we seen movies being pushed back, like a bunch of movies being pushed back. A lot of them is pushing mm-hmm. back until next year. And just recently, just I think yesterday, there's like three movies being pushed back. Wonder Woman is supposed to come out in August. It's pushed back until October. Gonzalez Kingdom, I mean, Gonzalez versus King Kong is supposed to come out end of this year. It's pushed back until next year. Matrix 4 is supposed to come out, I believe, next year until 2022. And it, 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 this, it's pretty, I won't say amazing is the right word for it. It's pretty amusing how much it, this COVID-19 situation impact all these movies. Will these movies be the ever? I think they the will, just depending on how we are going into 2021. I think they will come in. I just, when you look at it, studios are barely getting back to opening up again in California starting uh, tomorrow, where uh, shows can be produced again. Things can be produced as long as you're following social distancing rules. So once that happens, that'll change the landscape of television and uh, movies will be, you know, fighting for the time. Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of work to go back. It's just not quick right away. I just think studios are going to take their time now with some of their big releases and wait till they know that they can get an audience in to either watch it. I think, I think the movie industry got a very good lesson at this time. You know, we depended on the movie uh, theater industry to help determine these movies. Now they're being determined by how fast we can get them on a stream. Suddenly a move like, movie like Scoob, which probably would not have done well in the theaters, did great on an online service because it was new and it was something people wanted to watch. The documentary series, obviously, take a look. You had the early, just going back to the early part of the COVID, people were talking about a Tiger King. You know, you never know how the industry will work. But these people that are studying industry are are working with these uh, big labels like Sony, uh, Columbia Pictures, Paramount. They're all paying attention to how we get content now. And, you know, pushing back things, they might say, look, we put it on the theaters for a month. And now suddenly a month later, it's going to be available on a Hulu, on a Netflix. The Onward movie made a lot of money for Disney. So did Trolls made a lot of money as well for DreamWorks because they put it out there to where people could get it. And then when it became available to purchase on homes, they made a lot of money. So it was almost like they made their money and more. So I think they found a niche 
with the streaming services. So I could see that that's going to be interesting to look at and we'll see, but I, I, I it will change the way I think studios are going to hold back on some of the films. The new James Bond film is going to hold back. They're going to hold back, wait till they have the content available. And then there might be a different distribution than the old system. And I think that's, what's going to change. And I think streaming will be a huge part of how they can get that money how they can get it there and if uh, subscription services pay the money like netflix and hulu start to go into battles and hbo max go into battles for content just like they fight for the reruns of friends and re re uh, reruns of seinfeld that will be interesting yeah that will be interesting um do you like to see movies come on stream? can i see movies do i see movies on stream oh yeah you can watch a lot of first-rate films on stream uh the new movie high note that has uh, ice cube in it now available online on Amazon and other features. So they wasted no time to put those out there, you know, uh, and the studios that did that during this time have seen some success. Yeah. Do you prefer to go to the theaters or prefer to be? Well, it depends. If you have a group of family members uh, stopping by and you're going to spend, let's say $10 a ticket, I'm just putting it out there. I don't think it's actually 10, even if it was $8 a ticket, you're taking a family of four out. And then by the time you buy popcorn and get everything else going, you're spending quite a bit of money. Uh, eight times four, 32, you're spending about 45 to 50 bucks. Okay. Now suddenly it's $20 to rent a movie at home. And if you got a good internet connection, then you can do that. And then the cost for anything that you need, probably not going to be that much more expensive. You save money. So I think right now the consumer feels it's probably cheaper to watch it at home, watch it on my own time or watch it while I'm waiting to go back to work. That could be something too. Okay. Okay. Now we have another issue besides COVID-19 and it started with George Floyd who was killed by the, those officers. Now we have people who protest uh, everywhere, every not just only in the United States, but all over the world. Well, right now, you know, we have been covering this as much as we can. Uh, here in, in Las Cruces, I'm very proud of how well our citizens have responded. We're having town halls. We're having discussions. Uh, so far, our rallies have been peaceful. We have not had any rioting or looting in that area. I think Las Cruces has set a really strong example of how to get a message across and be strong and powerful about it without making damaging or hurting public uh, uh, parts. Whether or not we can actually have more discussions, that'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks. The city council is having a meeting about police uh, tomorrow after the regular scheduled meeting. That's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, I think one thing's for certain, you've got to let the voices be heard. And I think that's what the city council is going to have to figure out with their Zoom technology and how they're working. They're going to have to find a way to let people speak into those meetings as well. Uh, just like how you and I are speaking on a podcast, I think they're going to have this conversation, have more discussion, and I think with training, I think we're going to see things really they're working on. Um, it's a lot different here than in other places. I think you need to say that I think our community has done a really, really good job in cross. And yes, town hall was a good example. I mean, those are people who had every right to speak. It was, you know, nothing. I felt that that town hall, I think that town hall was getting a chance to hear different views. And I think that's something that we have to be open to is listening. Uh, but at the same time, I do want to hear from our police chief. I do want to hear from our city leaders. And I think it'll be very important to see what's going to be coming down the next couple of weeks here uh, and what can be done. I think we can actually come up with some answers to things too if everyone works together. And I don't think, I think that's just going to be the question is patience. How much patience do we have with our law enforcement and our officials to work things out so we can make sure that we keep our place safe? 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, are you worried about this? We have this protest with these carrying. We have to practice at the same time. Practice social distance. Are you about? Are you worried about this? COVID-19 might spike up here with this protest? Well, you know, like, for example, that town hall was done well. You didn't see a group of crowded people. I know some people were like, well, it wasn't a big crowd. Well, they were also divided amongst each other. You didn't want everyone close together for a big picture. It's not like a stadium picture. It's not like a group picture. The crowd that showed up was a very uh, respectable crowd number. I didn't count the, I would, if I had to guess, I would say, about four or 500 that I counted, at least in the early part of it, and they were spread out. So the fact that the plaza gave them more places to be spread out compared to Albert Johnson Park, you could see that there was a difference in the in the crowd there. But during Albert Johnson Park, I was a little concerned of how close people were together. And there wasn't at that time where some of those protests were going, it was like, whoa, are we really following social distancing? Are we not? But people had masks on, people had everything. They were putting out sanitizers. This town hall, they had sanitizers, they had drinks, they had food for people, and they were doing the social distancing part. So I thought they did a really good job in putting that town hall together and getting it done. So I wasn't really concerned about that because I could do my reporting from there. And I had my mask on throughout the thing where I needed to be. And except there was times I have to take it off to breathe. And so any gathering place, whether it be uh, even at uh, the graduations, anything else, how were people responding to it? And I think We've seen a lot of Las Cruces residents that are smart enough to know to put their mask on. And if you go out to one of these things, but I also think we live in an online world today where I believe there might've been a lot more people participating in these town halls and rallies just from being at home. And that's how they can do so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I really love that I hear about this, I think the last couple of days that the pro- whoever is responsible with these protesters, uh, put their protest together is they talk they ask the police to block off the road. I believe they blocked from Tilshore or Lowman and Walton Drive and so they came marching with this protest and I'm pretty pressed and I'm happy that there's no riots, there's no loots like like we see in other states, uh, especially like Minnesota or or Dallas or Chicago or whatever. Um now talk about Let's say we have MSU football. <laughs> Let's say we, there's a season. I mean, let, let me let me ask you this: Are we gonna have this season for MSU football this year? Are we gonna have NFL football? Are we gonna have high school football? Are we gonna have any type of sporting events? Um, I don't know. Something that was interesting when we finished up uh, the one of the last sporting events in the nation was the New Mexico Activities Association State Basketball Tournament at the Pit with 100 people allowed in the pit, including players, officials, scorekeepers. And uh, we fought to get the radio announcer into that game because I'm like, if we can't get a radio announcer in there and people have to spend money to watch this, this is not going to look good. And so as broadcasters organization, we fought very hard to say we need to have our local representation because you have representation in Albuquerque doesn't know how to pronounce our names of our players in Las Cruces. Uh, so I really didn't like that idea. And for one game, our announcer had to stay because they didn't allow us to go in for one game. And I still question how that even got messed up that way and then fixed up by the governor and fixed up by everybody else. But that was an insight as to what was coming in the future. And as I talked talk to the gentleman who did the game, me and the play-by-play man, I'm like, this might be the future of how we're doing things. Yes, we might have football, but there may not be any high school football band playing. There might not be any halftime show. There might not be a lot of these things that we're used to seeing. An NFL game, can you imagine putting 50% capacity at uh, the new uh, SoFi Stadium in California or the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas? What's that going to look like? 
You know, wow, the first game and we can't even sell it out because we have to put social distancing rules. Um, you may not have line concessions anymore at big major league games or college games. I can't imagine watching an Alabama football game and you're at less at 50 percent capacity at the, the stadium where Alabama plays or the Kyle Field at Texas A&M. It's got 100,000 people, but we're only going to fit 50,000 in there. What is that going to look like? Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. I think uh, just like streaming platforms, the sports platforms are going to be huge. I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN adds uh, more channels to ESPN Plus to try to get all these games on because I have a feeling, and this is also going to be for high school, that we're going to be very much in an area where there's not going to be a lot of people wanting to go probably first because of health reasons and the fact of spread. But, I, I mean, it would just be heartbreaking not to have the football environment. That have. But we're going to be watching basketball in a bubble from Disneyland. You're watching South Korean baseball with puppets in the stand and teddy bears in the stand. But it's there. I just finished watching a NASCAR race this evening, and there's no fans. What's the point of spinning out in the grass if you're happy if you won? Great, but nobody's there to cheer you on. So, you know, it's, it is very interesting. And sports world is going to be different. You know, we're watching wrestling on television where, well, we finally have some bands down there, but uh, it's not the same, you know. And imagine being one of those wrestling performers and you're used to performing in front of 50, 60,000 people. It's going to be different. But I, I, when I listened to that final game when Cruces won the state championship, I also thought that was a big plus for Cruces because had they had played capital in that state championship game, how many people from Santa Fe would have show up compared to people from Las Cruces in that game? It would have been a home court advantage, no doubt, for Santa Fe. But now you take away the crowds, and suddenly we got to figure out just how good you are, and then it just showed just the talent that Cruz has had compared to Capitol. I'm trying to picture a football game, any football game, or any sport for that matter, has a home field or home court advantage with no crowd. But, you know, instead of you hear chanting, defense, defense, you hear echoes. No, you well, yeah, that, that's the point. Are they going to let them pipe in sound? Are they not going to let them pipe in sound? I don't think there'll be a, a field advantage. But here's something that's even scarier. We'll be testing before the games. And we'll be these players. The baseball is fighting right now because its players do not feel safe going to go to, let's say, Arizona to play out a whole season. Now, imagine if you go to the start of a game, Tom Brady gets in, and he's got a temperature of 103. He can't play. What? Now, suddenly, we got to chest everybody, and games might be canceled. And, oh, look, we have to take a two-week time off. Well, the Bucks are off for two weeks because they can't play because one of their players or their staff has got COVID. I really feel that this is going to be very difficult and very challenging to try to keep everyone healthy in any of the sports. And so that will be a very delicate balance, just like this balance of how many places need to be open. What's the percentage? How do we keep businesses open so, therefore, gross receipts tax get paid? It's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. And I think there'll be a lot more watching from home, just like a lot of the movies you're watching. I wouldn't be surprised if you're watching a lot of your sporting events from home. But it's going to be hard for families who have a lot of vested interest in their son or daughter playing in sports that they can't be there to watch. You know, they have to watch from a screen or an Internet. It's not going to be the same. Yeah, I, I know NBA, they got to start their season in the end of July in Orlando, Florida at the the East Disney Camp, Complex. I think they call it, yeah, Complex with no crowd. And I'm sure they say they got test players. And I think Harry Aaron was, against, I think he just speak about it like the last few days. Well, the other day, like, was against it, was against it. And now all of a sudden, they a tune about it yesterday. Uh, 
or today, I believe he's. Um, I didn't read the quote or anything like that today. So, what are your, what are your well, I mean, Kyrie about? Irving is just a player who's going to speak up his mind, but he's probably speaking up for a majority of the players. That's what I don't know. How many of the players agree with him? Yeah. How many of them don't? You know, we might not see some of our favorite coaches on the bench there because they're older enough that they don't want to take the risk. You know, if a player decides that they don't want to take the risk and play, what's what do they lose out by not playing in this season? You know, you had looking at an NBA playoffs that could be settled in October. We might have a game seven in October, and then you only got a few breaks before you have a quick offseason, and we're back off to the start of the next season. I don't know. I mean, what would be the – you win the NBA title with the hash, with the asterisk of during the COVID-19 era. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean the Lakers win it. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. What if uh, LeBron's – well, LeBron wants to play, but what if some of the players decide not to play? Some of the key role players, it can make things interesting. And Kevin Durant doesn't want to play. So does Kyrie Irving really want to play right now? If he can't have Kevin Durant in this system, wouldn't it be better to wait till the next part of the season? I don't know. Every league is going to have this. I mean, baseball, if they don't come together in a term, and I mean, baseball could be really affected by this. They could be in not playing probably for another year too as well, because you're looking at the difference between owners and management. And when it comes down to it, it's safety. And if you're a, if you're a, like how Mike Trout said, my wife is going to have a new baby. We're going to have a new kid. Do I really want to go out and go play and take this risk and be away from my family this long? You know, I, I don't know. And, you know, with the Olympics, they decided we can't do it. It, it would just be impossible. We're going to have to wait to next year. So, I mean, what's the difference now? What do you win in this championships era? And if you're getting sick and hurts you and that's your biggest fear, is it worth it? I don't know. And that's going to be something interesting. Yeah. Do you think maybe NBA should maybe cancel their season or start with the playoffs, like a single elimination, or and cancel it all together and, and well, they, the next season? If they seem to be gun ho about this program, so we're going to see how it works. It might be interesting. The thing is, we don't know. I, I personally thought they should have just canceled the season. Let's just cancel it. Give yourself players time. Give your arenas time. Give your states time. Give your organizations time. But that's a lot of money that's being lost right now, too. So the fact that they can make some money, I guess, will help pay for things. But, you know, when Kevin Love is giving money over to staff members that are uh, working in um, and working in uh areas such as the concession stands and stuff. I mean, great. You're going to have a season, but that really does not help those uh, places like uh, the Gund arena and all the arenas where these people play these organizations, they're going to have to start losing people and people are going to be out of a job and that's tough. So if these guys want to play to try to save some of the people in this organization's money, I think I'm all for it, but I wouldn't have a problem if they canceled seasons either, but I think they're gun ho. They want to show it. And I think they feel that if their sport is playing, there's going to be interest and there would be, I mean, there's an appetite for it. I mean, people have watching documentaries more than they've watched. Now we've watched Jordan's 10 part series documentary had some of the highest ratings ever. You had a golf matchup between uh, Phil Mickelson and uh, uh, Peyton Manning versus Tiger Woods and Tom Brady that drew the highest cable ratings ever and changed the way we look at golf. We're playing golf right now with no fans. Golf is in it. NASCAR's in it. They're going to find a way. I think they don't want to be left out. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. It's been done in every sport. Every sport does not want to fall behind. The NFL does not want to cancel its season. They'll find a way to play. And then it becomes a question of what happens when a lot of these uh, star athletes do not want to play. Could we see scrub players? Could we see other players? There's an appetite for it, and that's what's going to be interesting. Yeah, that. And NFL is starting in September, um, and their training camp is supposed to start 
I believe later next month. That should be interesting if there would if there is. Well, look what happened down. Look what happened in Socorro, Texas. Socorro, Texas. They decided that they're going to cancel their uh, summer workouts because one of their uh, members and their team has COVID nineteen. That's gonna that this is what's going to be interesting. I don't know if we're at the right point to reopen the camps and everything. So, so what happens if we waited to camps to layer? August or July to start doing them and put everyone on an even keel. The problem is no one's on an even keel. Everyone wants an advantage. Everyone wants to get that advantage. So we start these practices, but look what happens. If you start too early, you could end up closing your whole season down. So is that fair to Socorro football next year? I don't know. You know, what if they decide they don't want to play a football season next year? We might see a lot of that depending on which region, where you're at and how things go. It is going to be very interesting to watch, but I, I just don't know. Yeah, this will be interesting, especially in the next few months. Uh, I, I saw like a video on Twitter, I think the other day, the foreign, some of the players from the foreign Niners side are working out together. I don't know how many players they were working out, not not the entire team or anything like that, maybe a few players working out together um, since they can't do the those uh, usual, uh, what you mm-hmm. call it, OTAs or whatever, especially for rookies, they, because they can't do that because due to this whole COVID-19. Um, now let me ask you this are, are we gonna have an NFL football season? This I year? think we're gonna have some type of NFL football season. What's it gonna be like? It ain't gonna be what we saw last year. We're not gonna have a big 50,000 Monday night football game, and I think we're gonna see a limited crowd. We might see limited players as well. I don't know. I, I could, I'm not gonna be surprised if a game gets canceled because two players tested positive for COVID 19. They're gonna be tested a lot. And as a player and as a professional athlete, you're getting paid to play. So you have to be paid to take these tests. And I could see games being canceled. Well, the matchup between uh, the Saints and the Buccaneers got canceled because three players had COVID. So now we're under a two-week wait period. Will the game get made up? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of cancellation of games. And it might look like something like the 1982 season draft when we had an NFL strike. And then we had to play a short-end season. It could be something like that. I, I think there will be some type of football. I just don't know how. And it's not going to look the same as what it was last year. Yeah, yeah. that's And, you know, to credit to the wrestling company, they've been doing their show since even the start of this virus. They do it with no crowd. Now they do it with some small crowd. You know, they're using uh, – for WWE, they're using their trainees who try to become professional wrestler. That's what – crowd they're using and AEW using their own wrestler as their crowd um because I'm, I'm a wrestling fan so that, and i've been watching it and i it's different it's weird because because i get used to watching these crowds chanting cheering well wrestling wrestler, only works with the fans it's always met, it's it's been a business that's been around for years it comes in cycles and i can only imagine what kind of cycle we're going to be the minute they allowed crowds back in even at 50% capacity, you know these places are going to go because these guys and these wrestlers and these people who have their big contracts, you know, they don't get big contracts without selling merchandise or without selling shirts or without selling out places. You talk about things that are connected to each other. Wrestling and its fans have to be together. Uh, I give props to both organizations for staying on a product going and trying to keep something going, but it's really put a lot of, I think what we're starting to see is to find out who's really got talent and who doesn't. Suddenly a lot of these wrestlers that appear week by week on are getting that time to really shine with either Mike skills or with their in-ring abilities. And I think 
things. So now this is going to make the fan just appetite even more for being able to see them out there when they finally come back into arenas and elsewhere. But I could also see the problem being, oh, your favorite superstar will not be here today. AJ Styles, let's just say as an example, got tested and he's at a little bit of a temperature. We don't want to take the risk. Don't be surprised if he doesn't show up. Uh, I think you're going to see some of that as well. And like I said, the capacity of arenas are going to be much different still too. But I don't think we're going to get to watching fans in arenas till probably later this winter, if at best, when we get to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I because I go to a lot of see live events for the past. They're fun. They're excitement. It's well, entertainment. But what? And here's the other thing: yeah, as yeah. a fan, will you go? That's the bigger question. Who's going to want to go? If I want to go see the Aggies play, I want to go see WWE. I want to see a concert. How safe do I feel in going right now? And that's the question I ask all of our listeners all the time. Are you ready to go? Or are you not ready to go? Are you ready to go out to, to a restaurant right now? And you'd be surprised that the numbers will show every time I ask that question. Not a lot of people are ready yet. And that's going to be determining. So just because you've opened up doesn't mean necessarily everyone's going. People are still using curbside. People are still using drive throughs a lot of people may not feel safe going into places yet, and that's fine. It's just simple common sense. If you're living in a home and you've got a lot of people who are at risk, have underlying conditions, do you go out? No. Should you go out? No. So be careful what you decide. Yeah. Comment, be smart. If you don't feel like you're ready to go, don't go. Sports will be on television. You can watch it there. Movies are already on that way. There's a lot of things to do. If you don't feel safe, then don't feel like going. At the same time, there's ways to support local businesses and help out without being having to be in the restaurants. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and it's funny this. It I don't want to say funny, but it's because me and my friend were talking about Comic Cons early this year, mm-hmm. back in January, before this started, and we're gonna have a Comic Con in Las Cruces again until now. This whole COVID nineteen come, it's. Well, do what they're going to do with Comic-Con this year. Look what Comic-Con's going to do. They're still going to have it. It's a free event, though. For the first time ever, it'll be free to everybody. All the panels and everything are going to be there. You just watch it online. You get your own pass. People are still going to dress up. They're still going to get involved. It's not going to be the same as being at the San Diego Convention Center. I get it. But now here's a chance to do it differently. Here's a chance to do online. Here's something that's going to be different. So now instead of sitting in a panel trying to get into a room to find out when the new Wonder Woman film is going to be coming out or what Hasbro's got new in store, you will all see it right there. It's just the question. I can only imagine how many people are going to be at home throughout Comic-Con watching. And I bet they'll have probably the hugest number of people watching online for this free event. And they were smart. Put it free, make people go, and then you can decide how this is going to play out. So if the Las Cruces local Comic-Con folks wanted to do something like that and bring the first ever online version of it, why not? Yeah, that, that would be interesting, you know? Get, get, let me talk to the well, movie stars. You know, what, what, imagine if you could get a movie star to zoom in and have a call and then have all these people that come in that you can invite, the first couple of people to invite. It'd be great. Now suddenly that's how artists have got to come out and be doing things. I mean, these celebrities, these sci-fi celebrities, I mean, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. If you were to get Michael Doran to come in to be a part of an organization, I would find out where do I need to go to watch Michael Doran talk, you know, and they understand it, but they're also understanding that it's going to be different. They don't travel. They don't need to travel. They're not going to want to go out and travel. So what would be wrong with having them be on an online host in a system part where questions could be asked and the environment's controlled and people can see them? I think it'd be interesting to watch. Yeah, that will be. I'll be all for it. Uh, you know, for this year, I know we got 
I possibly plan to have a Comic Con in the, it's supposed to happen in April, but they push it till October due to the circumstance. So I don't know how they gonna do theirs. Are they gonna do it in person? Are they gonna do it limited? Because we know in El Paso their numbers are up. Um, now one last question, and for the sake of this episode, let's say we will do have a football season for MSU. What is your what do I expect from MSU? Season? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, college football in a lot of ways is still dominated by the haves and have nots. You've got a lot of group and money that's put into organizations, but suddenly this is now thrown a wrinkle into that. You know, if you got five players on an Alabama team that are sick and Alabama has to constantly keep shutting down its practices, that could be an advantage for some other teams, especially in the Southeast conference. Now, Will they change scheduling? Will they change it to more regional? That could also be interesting. Uh, Would New Mexico State fit into some type of Mountain West Conference USA type scenario? That would be interesting. Of course, New Mexico State would lose a lot of money if that happens because they've got games to play in bigger areas that uh, help the program, that help the money out on that situation. But I think what we're going to see is because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's going to be a different college football season. I don't think it's going to be the same. And when you have a big program like a Michigan, Ohio State, and you have that many people involved in that program, there's a lot more chances. And it's just like how regional-wise, as we talked about earlier, what places need to be might have to go through another phase of uh, closures or shutdowns. You know, what if they started closing down things in Columbus, Ohio again, or in that area where Ohio State's at? Suddenly that's interesting. Uh, the big house is not going to be the same crowd. You're not going to have that home field advantage because depending how many you have, and right now Michigan is a university that's more worried about health because it's a great state university. It's a high-class state university, and they may not have their team ready to play. They might cancel their season. You'd be surprised how many schools may not. So that being said, I think Doug Martin right now is on the cautious of, of keeping his staff healthy. If they can keep their staff and keep a program with some decency. And that might be the difference between them playing a lot of their opponents is how well they kept their players healthy, how well they are healthy, how well they're working on things. I mean, it's how could, I think I look forward to New Mexico state success being as long as they don't shut down and they don't have to close practices, they might be in a better position than other teams. Cause I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of practices and a lot of programs, especially these bigger universities that are going to have reasons to have to close down and shut down. And then if you get way too many people infected, now suddenly there's going to be games that are forfeited. New Mexico state has a good chance of making a bowl game this year. It's going to be the question of how well Mario Mocha, how well does Doug Martin, how well is the athletic training program? How well do our, you could be, maybe I hate to say this, but our state rules might give us an advantage compared to other places because we may not have so many players that are sick. And if you can keep a team healthy, I've always said it. That always helps out. That's what happens. Injuries are a part of the game and a part of football. Last year, we were injured. We barely had enough people to keep online. This year, we have an online, on offensive line that has grown from that first year. You have freshmen that got real-world experience. That could help them out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Aggies do decent in a COVID-19 world, but it's all about how well they can keep their staff and their players healthy. Okay, okay. No, go ahead. You don't want to hear my expectation. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, I have my guest, Lucas Pierman, uh, and I, I give my prediction. I don't remember what prediction I give with the uh, Aggies football uh, record for this coming new season. So I might have changed it. And I'm a little pretty harsh with MSU football. Uh, I predict 
right now, as of right now, maybe because we won what mm-hmm. last year, last season, two wins, right? We got two wins. I would say five. Well, well be nice and like five I said, wins. and what if one of those wins is a forfeit? <laughs> you know, you don't know. That's what that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. I think we're still way too early to determine how we're going to play out a season uh, and how well these org teams, you know, if Alabama's got all the money, can they keep all their players healthy? Can they keep everyone? You know, it's a money's game in college football, and we're not up there in the money's game at all. We're having to play harder, and I would love to give NMSU, but even if you get six wins, you're in a bowl game. So I don't know. I, I'm a little more optimistic just because I think they have been taking care of the players and the way that they're testing them right now when they go out in the field and do their practice, that's fine. But I don't know. I still think it's gonna. there's going to be a lot of programs where I wonder, are they doing this? Are they prepared? And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of programs shut down their summer workouts, and when they get back to being able to practice – are going to be rushing. So there may not be a lot of teams prepared for the season. And we're going to see a lot of games with a lot of mistakes. I wouldn't be seeing a lot of, I wouldn't be surprised to see week zero and week one games with scores that are crazy, but can we even get to being playing at UCLA? That's a money game. And right now, can we even get a team on an airplane to fly over to California? You know, there's something. And does UCLA play a game? If they don't, what happens? You know, it's just canceled. So I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. The thing I'm concerned about in any sports, even professional, is the lack of training camp, the lack of practice that could harm the players' injuries, health, and that's another thing too. But the injuries, the players can get hurt because due to the lack of practice time or lack of training camp. Well, I mean, it's just like anybody else. What have you been doing? Are you working out at home or are you not working out at home? Gyms have opened up again. That's great. But before that, what were you doing? And that's to anybody's health question. I think there's a lot of athletes that when they had this time were working out at home, made their own home gyms, did their own exercise running. I mean, the good news is I'm happy to see a lot of people walking and running outside, a lot more people outside than I've ever seen before around the city of Cruces. So how many of them are athletes? How many of them are not? I don't know. How many of them are working? If you are a professional athlete or a college athlete, my guess is you've probably been in some shape, shape of program right now. You might be physically ready to go, but play-wise and team-wise, that's going to be the question of how fast you guys can get together and how things can gel really quick. So I think what it will come down to is I think a lot of teams are going to go to simple playbooks, simple, simple parts, and then we'll put the conditioning of how well they were during COVID-19 and how well they were staying healthy to be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, you also, but I also want people to take care (laughs) of themselves. One of the best things you can do to beat COVID-19 is be healthy. Yeah. Walks and runs are just some of the things we can do. Exercising makes a big difference. I think a lot of people just need to work on their health and to do that. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to stay at home and not want to go out and run and exercise. But I mean, for me personally, I know that if I don't go do my three and a half mile walk or run a day, it's not going to help. Yeah. And people are go- are scared to go see their doctor for a doctor appointment because due to this COVID nineteen doctor or dance, I have a dance appointment. I think next week, and I may. Well, but at the same time, I think what it comes down to is a simple discussion with your doctor. If it's some questions that you need answered, if it's work that needs to be done, you should be able to go get it. Um, But if it's something that you can consult with, and just how we talk, like right now on a podcast, what's the difference for you talking to a doctor online, showing him what's going on? That's the future of medicine too, online, and he can help you, and he can give you prescriptions. Yeah. online there's i love those microsoft commercials that talk about teams and how many doctors are doing online visits that's 
something that's now really helpful. That's true. That's true. It, Thank anyways, you, sir. It's good talking to you. Um, we talk. We cover the COVID nineteen, some protesting, all that good stuff. Um, and you're our well. Fan. I think we'd love to go watch a wrestling uh, event, Philip. I didn't get a chance to watch the greatest wrestling match tonight. Talking to you, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I just encourage the listeners to keep up to us. I, I heard uh, Edge got hurt in that one. I don't know what else happened on that. Uh, yeah, but he uh, that ma- that match was taped, by the way. <laughs> just so you know, and that and you know what, tape matches are the way yeah. of the future now. So I'm I'm used to that. Uh, just want to remind your uh, podcast folks that we have our own podcast as well at uh, any one of our station websites at the Sea Valley News LC. Uh, we keep you up to date with radio broadcast news in the mornings at six, seven, and eight on. Our stations, KGRT, uh, Classic Rock, 98.7, and Cool Oldies, 104.5. You can reach us through Facebook, reach us through anywhere else. We're trying to keep up to date. If you have story ideas, let us know. And uh, obviously, tomorrow we'll be following the city council meeting. And afterwards, a big discussion. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what uh, Police Chief Patrick Gallagher and the mayor have to say. Obviously, there's been a little time now uh, since we've had the controversy in our area. So we'll be looking forward to seeing what they're going to say tomorrow. Yeah, you know, and... Follow me on Twitter, PWH10. Uh, Let's Talk Podcast has a Facebook page. Um, give it a like. Um, I post new episodes or new get announce new guests and that kind of good stuff. Let's Talk Podcast is available nine different uh, platforms, which you can do all the episodes, including this episode from nine different platforms, such as Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's okay. They're everywhere. You know I mean? Welcome to the world of digital online. That's how it yeah. works. Yep, exactly. And next Sunday, I have a guest, Donna, will join me, which we'll talk about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming season, if there is a season, assuming there is. That's what we're going to talk about for next Sunday on Next Top Pockets. Mm. Is there anything else? No, I think I'm Facebook, good, Twitter, or anything like that? You're good. All right. Well, anyways, everyone, stay safe and take Thanks, care. Sir. I'll talk to you next week. Peace out, everyone.